welcome to episode three of The Lion Theory. I'm Moxo, and of course we're joined every every week by Stewie and Luke, who are with us today. G'day, boys. Good uh, morning. Good afternoon, morning. Good, good whatever time you're listening, isn't it? Hey? You can do it at three in the morning if you like. Hey, Luke, you've got some special guests today. Would you mind introducing Ellie and Maddie for us, mate? Absolutely. So it is an Olympic year, and we're joined by two very special guests on The Lion Theory this week. We have... From the Australian Stingers water polo team, we have Ellie Armit and Maddie Steer. So, pleasure to have you girls on. I think it's from. Thanks for having us. Very good. And I believe you guys are on the Sunshine Coast. Is that uh, we're actually in Lennox Heads at the moment. We're heading up to the coast on the weekend. I see. And can, what's, what's the go there? I believe are you guys are going into a bubble or something. Not quite uh, the AFL bubble that you'd um, hear about in the news, but we are kind of restricting our movements making sure that we're staying COVID safe. Right, um, right. And that's for, what's the duration on that one? It's about, what, five months or so until the games? Yeah, so five months, the plan is four weeks on, one week at home, ideally. But obviously with COVID borders, um, everything's up in the air. So if all goes to plan, we get a um, four weeks on, one week at home, but potentially having to stay here and our weeks off, depending on our home states and how things are going with COVID. Uh, very, so very... pray for me in Melbourne. <laughs> oh, we will, we will, because it's changing every day. I believe the yeah, the premier is yeah. announcing something new tonight. So hopefully, you guys can get home more than normal. Now, both of you have very unique stories, um, which has you know got you to the situation that you guys are in. Um, neither of you are Sydney siders, so Ellie's up from the uh, the banana benders up there north, and Maddie, you're south on the uh, the Mornington Peninsula. So. If I could ask you both, just in a, you know, a bit of a summary, just for all our listeners, to give us a bit of a summary of, of where you're from, what you do, and, and, and what gets you through every day before we delve into the line theory. So, Ellie? Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, as Luke mentioned, I'm from North Queensland. Uh, I was born and raised in Townsville. Um, to further my water polo career, I was asked to move down to Brisbane in the QAS um, and to play down there with the KFC Breakers. Um, I was there on and off because I did some stints overseas in Italy and Spain. Um, and then about three years ago, I moved down to Sydney and then Swiss and started playing with Samoyan Devils. Um, and then again, did another um, year overseas in Italy. And outside of water polo, I'm a high school teacher. Wow. Um, how's that affecting you right now that you have to have five months off? Um, it's okay in the sense that I'm a casual, so I've never really worked full time or um, on contract. So casual is quite great for me at the moment. I can tell them when I'm available and when I'm not. However, it does stop the income. So, that's so, so what are they, what are they doing for you guys, income wise? While you guys are in five month camp, do they support you somehow? Or um... yeah, definitely they um, support us while we're in camp and give us a little bit of allowance um, and cover our living costs. Uh, but it doesn't really cover your cost outside of that. So, um, yeah, it's a bit tight for the next five months, but it helps. It definitely helps. Tuna and beans, mate. Tuna and beans. <laughs> well, you're at Lenny's Head. You're not far from Byron Bay. I'm sure you guys aren't going down to Beach Hotel, are you? So uh, staying in and keeping fresh, right? Yeah. Very good. And you, Maddie? Um, So, like you said, I'm from Melbourne. I have lived or at least been based there for my whole life. Um, I went in 2016 to the US and have done three years of college there. So playing and studying, doing all the great things that come along with US college. Um, So I came back, I had one year left, but I put that on pause to come back for the 2020 year of training, obviously leading up to the 2020 Olympics, like being home, being with the team. Um, Clearly that didn't go to plan. And so it's been an extra year. Um, taking that year off as well, um, studying, trying to do my master's online, trying to make use of being home. Um, but the plan eventually is to go back to Michigan and finish my degree. But um, until then, you know, watch this space. I'm not really sure how I'm going to end that. But, yeah, always been Melbourne-based, moved around a little bit, living in Sydney, playing for Cronulla last season. Um, and then now just based with the Oz team, wherever they go, I go. So that's pretty much me. Well, it's fascinating that, you know, you guys play a sport that you actually have to put so much time and effort into and with it being, you know, amateur or semi-professional at best in this country, um, it's it's a lot of unique challenges that a lot of the, the blue ribbon sports like your swimming and your, 
your athletics and I guess the more kind of uh, successful individual sports that Australia play, you know, there's a lot of backing for those athletes, but it's for you guys that literally put everything on hold um, to achieve an Olympic dream. You know, it's people don't realize how hard it actually is on you guys, um, on your families, on those you care about. And, and, you know, that's something that we're going to get to delve into later on uh, in the podcast. But look, appreciate you both having, having you guys on board. And I'm going to let Moxo run the show from now on. Are we going to be able to ask them questions? Absolutely. Can I ask them a couple of questions? Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, guys, um, water polo is a fantastic sport. It's known as rugby in the, in water, right? Um, have, have, do you guys get injured much? And if so, what kind of injuries are they? Elbows in the face? or? <laughs> um, I think there's a lot of um, overuse injuries. I think that would be probably our broadest group of injuries. A lot of lower backs, a lot of shoulders, the things you'd expect. Um so for a little bit of background, Ellie's a centre forward and I'm a centre back. So we play on each other a lot. So Ellie elbows me in the face quite frequently. Um, so there's a couple of those, you know, fat lips or, you know, those like quick healing um, injuries. But I would say that our biggest things are probably like hips, lower back, shoulder overuse injuries that have just come through t- with time and, you know, the huge loads. So um, our coaches recently have been really good at managing loads, making sure coming into camp we're not going straight from, you know, zero to 100 and all the injuries happening at once. Um, but there's definitely those occasional elbow hits, yeah. usually from Ellie, to be honest. That's a tough game. It's a, it <laughs> looks like a lot of fun. And how did you guys get into it? Like, was it was it from a swimming background or just fell in love with it? Yeah. Uh, no, from a swimming background for me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Both my parents played water polo. My dad actually swam for Australia, but then just like fun, these water polo, you know, club water polo. And I have an older sister who um, our club originally was just seniors. And then my dad started making a juniors team and he needed a couple of extra subs. So Alex and I got the call up and have pretty much been playing ever since. Um, so it just kind of happened. And so I definitely didn't come from a swing background, which is something I, you know, have struggled with going um, the higher I get up the, you know, the, um, the chain. But um, it's definitely a family affair in the steer household. Cool. What about you? Um, oh, yeah, I just started playing. They kind of pushed up in North Queensland. This one um, guy from Brisbane came up and did a really good push-up development and got all the kids from surrounding towns, like all the way out to Isa and Newendons and up to um, Cairns and down to Mackay and stuff. And we had a really big, um, you know, year, couple of years of development. We started with the flippable with the junior version and then they kind of taught us water polo from there. I just want to tell you a quick uh, water polo story. My my young bloke, when he was in when he did year seven, you go straight into summer sport, of course, because you go back to school in the f- February or whatever. And he he started playing water polo. He never played in his life. And uh, anyway, they threw him. He's a big kid. He's a rugby player, six foot four. He's sixteen, but he was only like thirteen at the time, or twelve, whatever. Anyway, they put him in goals because they thought that'd be just a really simple proposition, you know, stop the ball, chuck it back out. So they put him in goals. The first half, he was unbelievable. And people were saying, how long has he been playing? He's fantastic. He's got such good strength and everything. The second half, he wasn't so good. And uh, anyway, he got out of the pool. I said, hey, would you go, mate? Were you a bit tired in the second half? Because he was in pretty good nick, played rep rugby and everything. And he said, oh, no. He said, in the first half, he said, I was standing up. He was in the shallow end. <laughs> <laughs> and he was pushing off the bottom like a satin five rocket, you know. But it's a great game. And uh, I understand why you guys play it at the highest level because it would be something really good fun to do. But it's too late for me, guys. But anyway. And, and you, never say and, never. And are you guys going to bring us home a medal this year? Yeah, come on. Two thousand was the last one, huh? Yeah, retiring for the gold. What? What? What's the Australian team ranked at the moment? Um, at the last World Championship, we got third, which was twenty nineteen. Um, however, I'm we played them. a test series against America about a year ago, and out of the three games, we won one of the games. And they haven't lost a game in about 69 games. Yeah, they had a 69-game winning streak ended by Australia. Yay. No, I'm backing (laughs) them. I'm backing them. I reckon reckon the uh, the market would be quite open for them. And if these girls play well, they'll... They'll bring it home. I reckon they've got a great chance of getting gold. I can't wait to watch them on Channel 7 or 9. Were they on this? What, what's Channel, Channel 7. Channel 7, Channel home 7. of the Olympics. <laughs> Topics of the week, we've got two of them, and we can't edit this, so you're going to have to, whatever you say goes to it. No. The first one will, uh, it, it might ask a few questions. It certainly will in this room. Um, and that is how to spot red flags in a relationship before it's too late. Um, Ellie, we'll start with you. 
Oh, God. What are the red flags in relationships for you? And is that the end? Um, we were kind of discussing this before, and I think a big one we often get caught up in is um, kind of making excuses for them, especially early on. Yeah. And, um, you know, and kind of hiding it from your friends as well because um, you know that what the answer is going to be when you ask them the questions and stuff. So, you know, I'm just making excuses, oh, they were tired or, you know, yeah, that's fine because of this or that's fine because of that. But, yeah, realistically it's, it shouldn't be fine. Hey, especially that's early on in relationships. Yeah, should, they I shouldn't definitely be agree with that. I, um, um, sorry. Wait, sorry, what was that? I say especially early on in relationships, there shouldn't be yeah. many red flags. If you've seen them early on, you want to get out of there pretty quick before you get emotionally connected because it makes it a lot harder. Back to you, yeah. Matt. I was just going to say I um, my last relationship was about three years and like I was great at the start, like it was fabulous. And then towards the end, like I'm quite a good communicator. I feel like I talk about things like as soon as – I feel like something's a red flag. I was really open and honest about it. And so like Ellie was saying, he could explain things to me or tell me reasons and like make all these excuses. And because I was so blindly in love, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, okay, yeah, I can see that you're stressed for something else. So, you know, I understand. And because I thought I was such a good communicator, I was like, okay, like we're, we're talking about it. We're like putting it all out on the table, but realizing like that's not everyone's style of being able to talk and being able to be fully honest so I think not letting the red flags that you notice just be swept to the side through words like it all has to be actions it all has to be proven in the way that they treat you rather than just being like yeah okay we spoke about it so it's all good so so because people can say whatever they want to say so you're saying you you believe the words but there was no actions behind the words yeah and just like letting things be less of a big deal like thinking oh that's nothing because like Ellie said, there was a reason, or there was an exp- explanation, or or he was stressed for something else. Like, yeah, or you even put it back on yourself. Yeah. Am I being too? So, so what are these? What are these? What are these reasons? Not turning up, um, making shifty excuses. Like, what? What? What are we? What yeah, are the like examples? Being stressed for something else. Like being too busy to do something. You know, just yeah, or just be like, oh. Not making plans because not oh, ma- I thought you were making the plans or something. Okay, just not not making you guys a priority. Yeah, yeah. I think also, but you can, although it could be a red flag to kick things off, you can turn that into eventually a yellow and a green flag because if, you know, the one person in the relationship is super organized and the other person is a bit of a a free spirit and kind of what happens, you know, happens, you wake up and go, all right, what am I going to do today when the other person holds a a two, three week calendar? Um, Well, you can actually make it, you can actually, that can work. And that takes us back to a couple of episodes ago when we spoke about opposites attracting and, you know, if you're the one that is the organized one and you acknowledge that, you say, all right, I'll take the lead on this. And, you know, if we need to find time to do a date night or to do, you know, something together and you have very difficult schedules that you need to accommodate, you know, it's as simple as, okay, if this person keeps continually forgets that I work on this day at this time, get a calendar, put it on the fridge, write the time you work. It's not, you're not, you're really simplifying it for that person and making it easier for them. At the same time, the other person who generally gets pulled up for, you know, forgetting things or, or not making the time, so to speak, suddenly goes, well, it's actually showing that you care because you're trying to help that other person understand. Luki, you sound like you're talking about you. Are you the one that gets oh, in no. trouble for being disorganized? Oh, no. Put <laughs> 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 in the fridge, Luke. Yes, yes, Luke. This is a this is a, a psych session now. <laughs> yeah, it, de- it definitely is a psych session. But like early on, when you're in a relationship, the excuse to start early on, you know, that's something. That's sometimes you know the first part of the relationship should be butterflies and rainbows and all these type of stuff. Absolutely, you're going to be in the honeymoon period, but exactly. at the same time, if you really need to be open with your communication and go, you know, if there is something that I suck at, or if there is something that the other person isn't too good at. You know, that should come out in the open because it's the whole thing of, you know, you give an inch and it and gets taken a mile. So, if you can address it early, communicate early because the question was red flags early on. Yeah. Then, you know, you've still, although you may have different ways of doing things, you can move forward. It's interesting, you know, I, I read that and I read it over and over and I was trying to get a bit of a take on, on, on red flags and where you go from a red flag. Uh Often a red flag will tell you that the relationship's terminal. It's like read my lips, isn't it? It's mate? definitely, definitely, absolutely. Toxic, yeah. I mean, you know, red flags to me have been uh, getting the locks changed on the doors, <laughs> um, all my worldly possessions being thrown out the front of the of the of the house. They're they're pretty good red flags. But the uh, 
But often, I, you know, I don't take much convincing. If someone feels somewhat a particular way about you, uh, it, it's the is what it is thing, Stu. You know, yeah. you've just, sometimes you just got to go, you know what? If it's going to work, it is. It, it is or it isn't. And and maybe, and I'm not, you're not devaluing your point about the calendar, for example, and just maybe that the calendar thing, if someone doesn't care enough to make their own, sort of manage their own time to fit in with you, maybe that's a really, really big red flag that, that really highlights an underlying problem. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, my last relationship, there was multiple red flags. And I dismissed them early on, and then I got connected, and it was harder to move away. And there was, I'd, I'd show my sister things and other people things. Go, man, get the fuck out of there. This is going to be toxic. I even spoke to you about it, Moxo. Right. You were living with me at the yeah. time. And um, you know, my you know the biggest red flags were you know um, dishonesty, just making lies up for no reason. I'm an easy person to get along with. I don't need to be lied to. I've got a memory like an elephant, and if you're going to lie to me, you better be bloody have a good memory. Um, just just like little uh, white lies all the time. Um, those things were big red flags. Always communicating with the ex in front of me, like I thought that was very disrespectful, especially when we're on dates and stuff like that. Um, those are huge red flags. That's I know, a red flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's okay to message your ex at four in the morning. Yeah, perfect. Good on you. Yeah. <laughs> Do you reckon it's okay um, to be in contact with an ex constantly when you moved into a new relationship? And uh, if, if that ex doesn't know about you, that's not a good thing. That's a red flag for sure, right? That's a red that's flag. A red flag. Yeah, I, I, I red- don't think you'd be able to stay friends with them um, romantically before in your life. Yeah, I, I personally don't remain in contact with exes. I'd prefer to move on. Not that doesn't mean I don't respect them or like them or have love for them. But I feel like, you know, that was in the past. We had a great experience. We've now learned from that relationship trying to move on and not, you know, not linger any more feelings. So I don't think anyone can be plutonic with an ex. There's always going to be one that will want more than the other. And um, I, I, Yeah, I was in contact with somebody that I was seeing uh, quite seriously early last year. And we stayed friends and we and we actually caught up when this person was in town, all that sort of stuff. And you know what? It just it just faded apart. They're like tectonic plates moving apart at this snail's pace, but eventually you know, we just fell out of contact. And I think that can be a natural thing. But I think the fact that we stayed in touch is because we're both the kind of people that like just like people. So it wasn't even about you know, anything weird about having been in a relationship. But it's interesting, I've got a terrible relationship with my ex-wife, immediate ex-wife, but my first ex-wife, we get on really well and we talk a lot and, you know, we're we're just old mates. That would have taken a lot of time to get to that point, right? It did, but when that was about me, you know, doing the breakthrough thing and working out that it is what it is and and, and the the marriage was over and accepting it. You know, acceptance is the biggest thing, I think, in terms of moving on. And sometimes moving on looks like just walking off tiptoeing off into the cornfield and never seeing each other again. And another way is to just find that that, that balance about, you know, what, what appropriate contact is to, to is on an ongoing basis. Well, interestingly, from a celebrity example, like, you know, one of the most successful um, actors in the world, The Rock, his first wife is now his manager. And she manages The Rock's empire. So... Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis, another yeah. example. Yep. Like there it's are the ways on of, the divorce piece, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Mate, just triple the uh, <laughs> how it started. But in saying that, you know, there are, as a general rule, I, I do agree that you know when you do move on, you do move on. But you, every now and then, you get this, just this anomaly that it still works in a different capacity. That's right. And, you know, and, another level. And now my, they're a billion dollar empire. My first wife did the catering for my second wedding and was a waitress at my second wedding. <laughs> so amazing. she knew most of the people there. <laughs> <That's anyway. amazing>. <laughs> <laughs> what about you girls? What, how are you guys getting on with your exes? Are you still in contact? I think immediately, I think it's hard because I think in theory, oh yeah, it sounds great. You're just going to be friends. Um, but I also... I've never, I don't speak to my ex. We are not in contact. We were never just friends. Um, but I think the change, like, so when we broke up, it was pretty like surprising to me, or at least just like caught me a bit off guard. So it was so, to me, seemed insane to be like, this person I care so much about literally is instantly nobody in my life. Like, it's just absolutely not involved. I don't know anything about them. But in hindsight, I'm so glad it was like that because if there was some sort of lingering friendship, some sort of forced interaction, and to put this in perspective, I moved to Australia, he was still in America, so we were not running into each other in places. Like we were like very separate and I'm so glad. I think that made me move on faster, like adapt to the change quicker and really just heal in a more healthy, natural way rather than like trying to force this, you know, 
habit or having just someone there because they're familiar. Was, yeah. you know, trying to keep him around because it felt comfortable, I think it would have taken longer to move on. I think and so I'm so glad that there's been like no interaction ever since that day. I think it's much it easier. It was terrible. It was yeah. hard. Like I, at the time was like, I'm going to die. This is the worst thing in the world. But now I'm so glad and could talk about him for days without any emotional, like any emotions coming up. Because I think in that time, it was such a healthy time to be separated in a way. And it conveniently was when we were going into camp. So I was busy, surrounded by friends, surrounded by people, didn't have too much time to think. So getting elbowed in the head by Ellie. In the best way possible. Yeah. I think it's the best thing to do is absolutely cut ties for a period of time anyway, like completely. Otherwise, you're going to keep looking at what they're doing. They're looking at what you're doing. And there's no separation. So, yeah. Anyway, you got over. And it's breaking habits. Yeah. I think the hardest thing yeah. for me is I'd get out of the pool and like I'd want to check my phone because like you think that there's going to be someone there or who do you turn to when you know have a shit day in training? But breaking habits, especially if you're like leaving them around, if you're talking every now and then, it's so hard to then break those habits. It's not even that person. It's not even that I desperately wanted to talk to him. It was that having someone, Great anyone, point, yeah, really. and so. Yeah. I reckon that I couldn't have done it if I didn't just like straight away the end. That's, that's brilliant. And what about you, Elle? Um, Yeah, I'm the same. Like it's, it's obviously very hard because you just, as May said, you, it's that constant talking to someone that you want. And in the end, like, yeah, you still feel for them, but it's it's just the connection. And it's hard to kind of grasp around the fact that you you know, given so much to this person and, you know, told them things that you probably haven't told other people and then all of a sudden they just, it's like they don't exist anymore and you can't talk to them anymore and, you know, things that you guys have talked about pop up and you yeah. can't reach out and talk about it. And so I think that's the hardest bit. And and then, of course, there's breakup sex, isn't there? You know, that's the it's the vaping of relationships, isn't it? <laughs> how you get, it's like how you get <laughs> off like smoke. You across you go the world, it's so much easier. <laughs> it works for some, it doesn't work for everybody. Okay, that was fantastic. Now, the next subject we want to talk about is, um, it's a bit of a heavy one, but uh, I think everyone in their own way uh, has to deal with these two things that we want to talk about, which is depression and anxiety. Everyone has to deal with them in their own way at some stage of their life. Um, Just starting with you, Maddie, uh, you know, have you been times in your life when you've been, and and I want to be really careful with the question because a lot of people try to make the distinction between being depressed because there's an event in your life that makes you depressed and actually being clinically depressed and having depression 24-7 but, um, and, and or anxiety and often they're, they're bedfellows. So, Maddie, how, you know, have you been genuinely depressed or seriously depressed and how do you deal with it? Um, I don't. I wouldn't say that I've been depressed, but I definitely get – sorry. Um, I definitely – get anxiety and I think that anyone in this position and in elite sport has felt it in some capacity in some way. Um, Recently I have been able to notice the patterns and notice that my anxiety comes the most and the strongest when I'm having a really big change in routine. So flying up to the Sunshine Coast to live for five months and leaving all my routine in Melbourne. Like I know that that's going to be a trigger for me that I'm going to get really anxious and it manifests itself a lot of the time in being really nervous about flying. Not in a sense that I think like the plane's going to crash or anything, but I think I'm going to miss my flight. I think it's the wrong day. Have I packed everything? And those are the things I know are going to happen. And so now that I've been able to identify what it is that makes me really stressed, I can now prepare for it. And the biggest thing that anyone has ever told me was, you know, let those feelings come in, sit them out the back of your mind and just let them sit there. You don't have to make them go away. Like I used to be like, I don't want to feel like this. I want to get rid of this just bury feeling them, and yeah. I want to feel good. Yeah. So, but so- now it's so much better to just let it be. I know when it's going to happen. I know how it's going to feel and just like expect it and let it come. So so how long have you guys been in camp for now and how long did it take you to familiarize yourself in new settings? So that would have been something that would have made you really anxious, right, guys? Like you've been uplifted out of your comfort zone. Uh, you've obviously got a big support system around you with the team, but like how many, how has it taken a few weeks to settle in or you're still out of your comfort zone and obviously you're going to move again in the next few weeks. So talk us through that. How do you stabilize yourself through that mentally and prepare yourself? Usually it takes me, you know, maybe half a week once you like get used to the pool, get used to like the facilities, get used to how everything's sort of running. Um, But I honestly think so. We lived together for a similar situation for four months in Canberra at the end of last year. 
And then I moved to Sydney um, and was training with, so the majority of the squad's based in Sydney. So I was with the majority of the squad, our coaches. And I think that's made it easier. So honestly, like when I got to the airport and landed and was here, I was good. I wasn't that nervous. I felt really comfortable once I'm with the team, back with the people. I, I trust them a lot. I really feel comfortable around in this environment. And so I was really proud because it took me not even a day to get back into that comfort feeling. So I think with time and with different like strategies, it's gotten easier. Um, But, you know, with, you know, from a range of a day to a week probably would be what I would normally expect. Ellie, uh, do you ever um, suffer from any examples of anxiety? And if so, how do you deal with them? And is it, is it environmental? Is it something else for you? Um, yeah, definitely. About a year ago, a year and a half ago, I started having these really crazy panic attacks. And they used to come on randomly. We couldn't figure out what triggered them. Um, and they wouldn't last a very long. But, um, yeah, I definitely used to have those. And then shortly after, maybe about half a year to a year later, um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I would say I was a bit depressed. Um uh, and I just was rolling through the motions. I just every day seemed the same. I couldn't, I couldn't find joy in anything and needed training. And we are kind of lucky in the sense that we log our daily um, routine, not routine, but like every morning we wake up, we have to log how we've slept, how we feel, everything like that on our um, app. And our coaches look at that. And I was pretty lucky because our gym coach at N Swiss is really in touch with that and tunes into it a lot. And about two weeks into, you know, ticking, I'm not feeling very well, um, you know, he was like, Ellie, come on, this is two weeks. Now you have to go talk to someone. You have to go do something about this. Um, wow. And it was good because usually I just feel like, oh, I'll get over it. It'll, you know, it's just a bad, a bad period. But it's good to have someone there just kind of checking in on you and saying, mm. this has gone too far. You need to go do something about it rather than just kind of going through emotions, which I think a lot of people in society would do and just hope that it gets better. Yeah. It really helps to talk it out. And it, it took a while to get over it, but it, talking about it is definitely step one. So how did it perfect your performance in the pool and, and what are you doing now? Are you still speaking to someone? Yeah, definitely. So I'm still in contact with myself all the time, but it just, it doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help you. You're in a bad mood. Like I'm someone that projects my emotions. So I'm, you know, coming into training and dragging my feet and, everyone can tell I don't want to be there. I don't really interact with anyone. I'm not having a good time. You don't put any passion or love into anything that you're doing, so you don't progress yeah. um, physically. Especially and, being in such a yeah. such a uh, in the Australian squad, you want to be like pushing the team forward and being super positive, so you need everyone up all the time or as, as, as much as most of the time. So, yeah, it would have been a big struggle. It would have actually put more pressure on yourself, right? Yeah, exactly. And obviously everyone has a bad day and we try to rally around each other when that happens and bring each other up. But if it's a constant downer, it puts pressure on everyone else and they just kind of then drift away from you because they're like, well, I tried and she's still not even. Yeah, yeah. Stewie, yeah, what do you do to, to deal with anxiety and depression? Uh, I think anxiety and depression come from when you have lack of structure as well in life mm. and, you, and, you, and you don't have things to look forward to. So I try and put as much structure in my life as possible. Um, I try to make sure I've got a training routine. I've got my to-do list for work so I feel like I've achieved something for the day. I've been through enormous amounts of anxiety in the past. It hit me when I was around 24 in a severe way. Got a few panic attacks, ended up in hospital because I thought they were heart attacks at the time. Um, and, you know, then I realized oh, I was just a panic attack and I kind of fobbed it off and then it came back 10 times harder. So then, you know, I speak to a guy called Jerry. He's my mentor. You've met him. Uh, he's a psychologist. I've been working with him for about 10, 12 years. I was raised in, a, in an absent family. My mum was sick my whole life. I mean, my dad was uh, overseas doing who knows what. And um, I didn't really have that um, ad- adult support growing up. So I've always had to fend it myself since I was 14. So finding someone that's a mentor and a, and a person of an adult figure for me was really important, you know, so I could understand some of my emotions, which, you know, you, you, when you don't have that adult figure around you, you, you start, you know, you have to grow up in a lot of the ways, but then you're a lot immature in other ways. So I had to learn how to deal with those things. What about yourself, Luke? Uh, for me, I've been, um, a couple of years ago, I was probably in the darkest spot of my life um, when I was making a career change and it was as a result of other personal things that I don't really you know, that's behind me, so I want to move on on it. But 
the biggest thing for me was you're not alone and you know the people that you trust um you know from mentors that you know you bounce all your ideas off and you know they're willing to give you a slap across the head and go pull your head in at the same time they're willing to say get under the wing and when you need a we need a cuddle and when you need to be told it's going to be okay um along with that you know it's the biggest thing for me was just trusting the people that I have around me um, because they will help you because, you know, at the end of the day, we spoke about it last week. When times are tough, that's when your friends really come into the fray and perform at their best for you and that's because they want to. So, they're the, they're the, the biggest thing for me was you identify it, you accept that you there is a problem and then it's okay to ask for help because help yep. will find you. It sure is. Just for me, just quickly, is um, I've got three really big uh, um, trigger when I'm things that trigger these three processes uh, when I get depressed or suffer from anxiety, and I've had it in spades. I've had enough for five lifetimes. Three really big things: work, work, and work. For me personally, that why you like to get snowed under with work. I just love to get snowed under with work. I get distracted by it. I focus on it. It gives me a sense of purpose. Uh, and and just recently, I've tried to throw exercise into the mix, um, avoiding alcohol, of course, too. If you're predisposed to being I, I, pretty I, sad, I suggest know. avoiding alcohol and coffee and stuff like that when you're going through anxiety well, and depression. It's just going to hype you up even further. So coffee, totally remove those yep. things from when you can, because nothing worse than a hangover. Okay, uh, it's a great conversation, guys, and some really some really honest um, responses there. Okay, our next segment is our story of the week. Week, week, week with Luke. There we go. So a bit of a change of pace. And we this week we're going to a British Beach where friends Indiana Tarrant and Luca Gambarini found a message in a bottle on a beach in southern England that was dated 60 years prior and contained a letter apparently meant to be discovered in the US. So a pair of friends who were skipping stones, as announced above, They discovered a message in a bottle that had been intended to travel to the United States, but was found on the opposite side of England 60 years later. They discovered the bottle that initially appeared to be empty, but then found a letter inside. The letter dated August 7, 1961, was signed by Bobby Dolores and mates and said the bottle was launched from Pleasure Beach in Blackpool, Northern England. The letter, apparently meant to be discovered in the United States, read along the lines of, Dear you, Yanks, how's life across the pond? Threw this in from Pebble Beach, hoping to see it turns up on the other side. A similar story was with an Australian tour guide who also found a message in a bottle in 1979 in WA and ended up being found in Argentina. The contents of the letter was deemed unreadable due to the water damage. My question is for everyone on the panel. When did you receive something you should not have? Stu, I'll let you kick it off. Uh, when it, I will, I'll, I'll go back to my mother. She suffered MS um, my whole life. And my dad, when I was about 15, um, got some hash cookies baked for her because it would have relieved her from her symptoms. I, I, I wasn't aware of this at the time and he put them in the fridge. And I, I've come home after school, um, seen some hash, uh, some, you know, brownies in the, in the fridge and I grabbed a couple. And, uh, and I ate a few. And the next minute, I was uh, in my bunk bed uh, doing mathematical equations, thinking I was solving world peace for about four hours straight. I was calculating 0.02.55 like for about four hours. And then suddenly, my sister opened the door going, dinner's ready, and I just snapped out of it. So, yeah, I had a, ha- had a few hash cookies. Um, that gives you 11 times hydroxy, so that hits your liver differently, and it turns into like a trip almost. So, I was flipping out, and I was doing math equations, and I'm horrible at maths, but I was almost – I was – about two, 0.011 from solving the biggest equation in human history and my sister ruined it. So that's uh, when I received something I shouldn't have. And ladies, who wants to go first? Um, We're all friends I here. I don't know why these are all alcohol and drug related, but one time, <laughs> yeah, band sorry, camp. when I was living in college, I um, lived in a house with six other girls. So there were seven girls total in this house. So as you can imagine, just pure chaos. Um, and I went to training one morning and I, we used to just have, like, we'd all share fridges. There's seven of us. So we had like three fridges in a house and I was rushing out the door. So I just grabbed one of our drink bottles and we have, everything's like the same. Everything is Michigan branded. We've all given the same free drink bottles. So I just grabbed one thinking I love cold water on the side of the pool when I'm swimming. And I took my first, you know, big gulp. I'm a bit parched. I'm thirsty. I've been doing a hard swim set. And let me tell you, it was not water. 
What was it? And I'm like in the middle of this like session. My coaches are just standing there and I, oh, I was so embarrassed. You could smell it. Like as soon as I opened the drink bottle, like you could smell it. And I was like, guys, I promise I did not mean this. I'm not like trying to start partying mid-session. It was the worst. (laughs) A surprise. When you think you're about to get water and you get something else, it's not a fun time. Wow. What about you? Um, I'm going to go a bit off book. This is all I could really think about. Um, I got a text message that wasn't meant for me. Um, yeah, it was what? about me, so that was fun. What? This is going to be a story too. I've Who hasn't done that? <laughs> Who's in the shit now? Yeah, um, I won't name names or anything, but I was in a group message um, with two other people, and then one of them thought they were texting the other one by themselves and not the group message. Oh, I love that. Oh no. Went back into the group message. What was it? So that was fun. Uh, it was nothing too bad. It was just kind of like, I, I can't really say it without <laughs> giving it a moment, but it was nothing bad. It was just about um, doing group things together or something. And then I, I don't It was just like small annoyances. Yeah, like, oh, that's annoying. When like. It was more like, yeah, they were, they were kind of venting. Essentially, it was just a text message um, of, of one of the party of three venting to the other one, thinking they were just talking to each other about it was in the group message and it came through and originally I was like, how do I, how do I address this? And I thought, no, nah, I'm just going to bite the bullet here and just be like, what the hell? Because I am a person that always, when I say things, I say, if that's not okay with you, please let me know. Um, so I gave them the space to do that and then that came back. So that wasn't very pleasant. So you're very... But, um, yeah, so I just went head on and I said, look, I gave you the chance. You agreed. This is what we agreed on. Um, and they're like, yeah, look, I'm really sorry. That was bad on my And they just kind of, scurried, you know, put between their legs and came, came over that way, but it wasn't nice. Cool. Well, just going back to the alcohol theme, I was come on, Luke. Is this another? Is this another new US story? Or? No, no, no. We're we're on. We're in the, the land down under here. So I was at dinner at a at a restaurant on Willamaloo Wharf um, with a with another, and it was for my birthday. And so you know, I ordered a got a beautiful steak, um, some sides, and a bottle of wine to share. And so as they do, they present you the bottle of wine and give you a swirl and say you're happy with that. You go yes, and then normally. At a restaurant, they'll leave the bottle of wine for you to pour yourself. But at this particular restaurant, they actually pour the wine and then take it away and you have to request it for it to come back and then get a top up. So I told them what I wanted and look, the bottle would, you know, was listed at about $85, $90, so still a decent drop. Um, and so poured away and we started drinking the wine and I was like, this is the most delicious wine I have ever had. And so we keep going, keep going, finish the bottle. Now comes to bill time and I'm like, gee, that wine was fantastic. So I make sure I save it on my phone and, and take a photo because I'm like, I'm going to buy this at Dan's. It's a phenomenal bottle of wine. And obviously, you know, the markups at the restaurants are pretty significant. So you know that you're only going to gonna pick it up for 25, 30 bucks. But then it comes to bill time and the bill comes in at $720. And I, and I look at the bill and go, no, nah, mate, that's not right. Like, I didn't order what you've listed there. I ordered the whatever it was. And the, the waitress goes, no, 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 that's what you ordered. I said, ma'am, like you literally presented it to me and then you took the bottle away. Um, so, you know, we're in the, it's in pitch black. You know, how? why would I order a $600 bottle of wine for myself? Anyways, she, I didn't want to borrow it. And I said, look, for the sake of embarrassing, not embarrassing my company, I'm uh, just going to pay the bill and walk away. I deal with it tomorrow. Anyways, wrote a letter to the restaurant and the manager was very apologetic. And gave me the meal for free, so it was yes. uh, it was a, a good deal. It was a good deal in the end, but at the time I'd had an absolute so, heart attack. So you got I had a- definitely been drinking someone's wine that wasn't mine. <laughs> so you got a complete refund, complete refund on the meal and the wine. Ooh, wow, that's an amazing so story. Shout out to that restaurant. What's the restaurant's name? That'd be Kingsley's at Willamalee. Nice, yeah. just a cheap place. Yeah, I received uh, just like you guys. We've all received them. I received a text message once from a lady that was a bit saucy, and I was so excited. I thought, yeah, this is great. 
I was single. I was, uh, you know, open to a relationship, <laughs> and 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 then straight away, it's, it was like five seconds. I had to enjoy it, and uh, the next message came back. Oh, sorry, Dal, that wasn't meant for you. Ha ha ha! How embarrassing. Very awkward. So I went from the penthouse to the shit house in about <laughs> three seconds, and I, yeah. Anyway, I kept the text. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> straight to the sack door. Yeah. Tell the boys, right? Straight to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> Straight to the sacky, yeah. Oh, yeah. mate. Cool. Yeah. Okay, now, Stewie, um, hack of the week. Yeah, the hack of the week is how do you mitigate a hangover? Mm. So I'll, I'll go around the panel to see what you guys do, and then I'll tell you how to mitigate this and, and live your best life the next day. Well, There's- I think for me, I've kind of have always lived along the lines of you do the crime, you do the time. So I genuinely try to push through the hangover. Um I think the biggest thing, you are dehydrated. So if you can get some stuff in before bed, you know, a Powerade and yeah, some water and just even a bit of food and literally go about your daily life, you're going to push through it. I think the ones that lie in bed feeling sorry for themselves, which is probably a majority of people, I think their hangover probably lasts longer. Yeah. What do you girls do besides ordering Uber Eats and watching The Notebook? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Drink a lot of water. That's like have a drink, have some water. Have yeah. another drink, have some water, and order McDonald's extra fries. <laughs> they actually, I spoke to a doctor. They actually think it's very good to have like a you know fatty foods. Your body crazy. Yeah, yeah. The, the, you don't have to tell me the, twice. The, 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 the sugar my fries. I'm good to go. <laughs> Well, Macca's has got sugar and fat, hasn't it? It's got double everything. It's hey good. guys, you'd be off the you'd be off the squirt at the moment, wouldn't you? You'd be pretty well behaved in that regard, wouldn't you? I'm always well behaved. Yeah. <laughs> so do you get like a breakout day or where you can hit the sort? Yeah, we or? have the weekends off. Yeah. And then, as Manny said, every four weeks we have a week off. Yeah. It doesn't not to say that we're out partying every yeah, day. Yeah, we're not going too crazy. You know, we relax. Hmm. Well, and what, what what do you do, El, besides drinking vodka, lemon, lime sodas? <laughs> Take the ice out; it's easier. The hair of the dog. Um, we so I heard from a doctor, one of my doctor friends, that before bed, if you take two Panadol, two Nurofen with a glass of water, and then wake up the next day, do the exact same thing with a blue Powerade. If you wake up after all that, <laughs> so. so that's my go-to, and what Maddie said about drinking water between drinks really helps. And don't have anything too sugary. Mm-mm. That'll give you a headache. Yeah, for sure. And, and Moxo, do you have anything? Yeah, uh, I, it's just just gallons of tap water, not cold water. Just water straight out of the out of the tap down the gullet and uh, suck it up. Not 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 Panadol or tablets or anything like that. Just keep rehydrating. That's it. I don't know. It's pretty simple. I'm interested to hear what, your head off. what the lion does, uh, the biohack king. So I, I, I thought it was Maccas. I biohack pretty he much. He's done the legwork. I, I biohack pretty much everything. I've been experimenting myself with my body for the last three months, <laughs> especially after uh, B-Fit community sessions. I normally get home at around three to four in the morning and I uh, need to do things to make sure that I'm active the next day because I've run two businesses. So. so just so we're aware, a B-Fit community session is on a Friday afternoon at 3.30 p.m. Yeah. And which carries him over to 3.30 a.m. So do the math that, on that's, that one. That's an early one. It was 3.30 a.m. Sometimes I go a bit extended. Um, but what I do is before you – I know I'm going to have a big day on the on the source. I'll make sure I get a HIIT training session in. It's really good to get a HIIT training session in that day. Um, I don't know why science says it. I've, I've, I trust science, so I do that. I also do a high – What's a HIIT training session for the high, – high, high, intensity, high intensity interval training. So you just get a big sweat out. And then I get a high dose of glutathione before I drink. So glutathione, uh, it, it activates ATP production in your body and, and increases the mitochondria level. Another levels. acronym. Yeah, well, we, what's ATP? I mean, oh, it's difficult. It's very difficult. Like it's the energy in your cells. Just, just pretty you much. You don't even know, do you? I, I do know, but Australian it's like, tennis profession, uh, professional. I do know, but it's a massive doctor word, and we don't want to get into that okay. crap right now. No. So I take a high dose of glutathione before I start drinking. If you really want to be smart and mitigate the risk. You need to be drinking high quality liquors like gin and vodka. If you're going to get on the, the beers, you're going to get on the you know the cranberry juice or anything like that. It's going to increase your your hangover. And then when I get home, I take another high dose of glutathione. And then I take an, a thing called NMN. So when you get hung, hangovers or you travel and you you are in an aeroplane for an extended period of time, you've had lack of sleep. There's a thing in your body called NAD levels, and they decrease. So NMN helps you increase those levels back to normal. Then you also need to take a glass of electrolytes 
and then four tablets of activated charcoal. Now, activated charcoal is not going to get rid of the alcohol in your body, but it's going to get rid of the toxins. And then, again, you take a couple of Penadols or Nurofen before you go to sleep. Jeez, you'd rattle, wouldn't you? Mate. This is a process. Yeah. This is a process. But then upon... But do you even have fun? <laughs> as, as, uh, yeah. Oh, well, I've got to make sure I'm activated next day. And then, then when upon waking, you have a three-minute cold shower and you're sweet to go. So that's my hangover cure. Uh, I don't get you hangovers. Down for when you don't like when you're Yeah, I've I've got it in my notes on my fridge, and every and then then on the on the um when I go to the bathroom, I've got the little closet, I open it up, and it comes out and says what I got to do. So yeah, I definitely know what I'm doing. Um, I don't do it that often. I've forgotten the last few weeks, and I've had a few miserable Sundays, and I've been getting the chocolates out, Uber Eats, and watching the Notebook just like Elda. So that's that's the hangover cure. We'll post that up on a on a on the the Lion Theory po- podcast at in- Instagram, and I'm stuttering my words so. Blah, 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 blah. You've got a hangover, mate. Yeah, I do have a hangover. Here, Lukey, got a quick one? No, that's I'm really simple. Just get as much water in as I can, Powerade before bed, and then try live your normal life. Don't, yeah, don't stop, lie stop next being, feeling sorry for yourself. Stop, stop being a fucking wimp, you yeah. coward, right? Yes. Pretty much. <laughs> okay, uh, our next segment is Moxo's Game of the Week. And uh, uh, we've got this game we want to play here now, and I'm going to put you guys on the spot a little bit. But it's a pretty simple... It's a pretty simple little game, something we've been playing for a long time. Stewie, you would have been playing this with me 15 years ago when I first met you. It's an old training warm-up exercise. And basically you make three statements about your life and one of them is a lie and it's up to the rest of the panel to guess which one is a lie. So would you like me to kick off? Yeah, go Mox. I've got to think about this one. All right, so let me finish the three and then uh, and then you've got to tell me which one's a lie. I played thirteen. I played fourteen first grade games of rugby for Eastwood Rugby Club. Mm, that's very specific. I lived, I lived on a small island, and I had my first child at twenty and my last at fifty. Girls, which one's a lie? Yeah, or which one's the truth? You which got you got to pick. There's two truths, one lie. You got to pick. I yeah. I reckon you you never lived on a, a small island. Yeah, the middle one's a lie for sure. The island's a lie, Stuart. Uh, Luggy. I'm gonna go to the island. A lie? So you all think the island's a lie? Yeah? No, I have not played 14 first grade games of rugby for Eastwood. That was the lie. I lived on Hilton Head Island in South Carolina, which is a little island off the, the coast of Savannah where um, Forrest Gump was filmed. Remember Savannah? Where he sat on the bench? Beautiful part of the world. So I lived on that island. Um, I did have my first child at 20 and had my last at 50. That's a fact. But no, I played rugby for um, very badly for West Harbour and Western Suburbs. I knew I knew you played rugby because you're the president of the rugby club that I play for. Yeah. But I thought you might have Which had more West. skill than that. So all your skills with the mouth, huh? <laughs> yeah, see, not even. Cool. Okay, Luke, you got yours. Yeah. Okay. I'll go. Um, so my first one is I have never been to Teppanyaki. My second one is I am trilingual, and my third one is. I have never been in an X-wing starfighter from Star Wars. Jeez, that's very specific. Yeah, that's gonna be a true one. I'm gonna go. You're also probably trilingual, I reckon. No, I don't think he's trilingual. Maybe he's bilingual. I'm, he's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to Teppanyaki. But surely, if he speaks Spanish, you speak okay. all the other Romans languages. He's definitely Stu, never. Stu, you're Teppanyaki. I'm Teppanyaki. Lock that in, son. Maddie. Yeah, I would say Teppanyaki. Okay, Ellie. <sighs> last one. The last one. The X-wing the fighter. One. Oh, you're your X-wing fighter, are you, Maddie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I have been in Luke's Skywalker. I didn't get X-wing a chance fighter. To get. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, <laughs> I, I would have. I would have. I would have get. Yeah, that's it. I would have. I would have guessed um, that you uh, would have been the teppanyaki. You've never had teppanyaki. Yeah, so the teppanyakis are correct. I have never been to teppanyaki, and I told you out the front before we went in. <laughs> oh, I was like, why are you even saying this for me? Well, the rest of them didn't know. And then the other two, yes, I am trilingual. I've got Croatian and Spanish. And then, and then I've got, I have been in an X-Wing Star Wars fighter because during the filming of the first Star Wars, the uh, Fox Studios in Sydney asked my dad to store the full-size X-Wing fighter at wow. his factory. So in 1977, nah, the uh, Star Wars one, oh, so Spider Menace around the 2000s, yeah, how they did the double back, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So got very lucky. Dad used to say, Come to work, paint the sheds for a day, and then you can hop in the X Wing fighter. Oh, oh. Awesome, Ellie, let's go, Ellie. Oh my god, okay. guys, I can't think as fast. Yeah, yeah, you guys are good. Um, okay, I have never been to Sydney, 
Oh shit. I um I hate mangoes. Hate what? Mangoes. Yeah. And I've lived in Italy. Okay. Easy. Do you want to have a guess? Oh, oh, I already know. I know. Maddie, you know it. You know it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say mangoes. <laughs> Sorry, hate mangoes. I reckon hate, hate mangoes. For don't, sure. don't tell us yet. Um, what's yours, Luke? She hates mangoes. Okay, I reckon um, you haven't got five brothers. I reckon that's the lie. The five brothers. Yeah, I've only got four brothers. There you are. See, do you want to ask me why I got it? Because people tend to do, get their lie out of the way first. Just the thing, you know. We've got a woodpecker in the room here. It sounds good too. Okay, um, whose turn is it? Uh, Maddie's turn now, I think. Oh, wait, i got to think of one more. Hang on. All right. I don't know any true things about myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just, Hang on. I have a false one already. <laughs> I can't think of things that I genuinely oh, are true. Yeah. Uh, that's all right. No, we won't put you on the spot. We'll just just leave give me little... one more second. I have one. I okay, one we'll one. just do Stewie. You just haven't done yours, Stewie. Yeah, so I, I played New South Wales schoolboy rugby, got in a fight with a little person in San Francisco, and I was high school captain at, at Marston High School. Who <laughs> was the first one? I know one. I, right. play, I played New South Wales school rugby, and I, the second one I got in a fight with a little person in SF, San Francisco, and I was high school captain of Marston High School. All right, I'll have first. I don't think you were not a high school yeah. captain. Yeah. High school captain, I, but I, I know fight. number two is true. Oh, 100% Stu would be someone to get true. into a fight with a little person. Yeah. I, he, you didn't he, know he, what the protocol was. He actually took me on, and then, uh, yeah, it was, it, was pretty, it was pretty funny. So so does that mean, was he throwing, like, headshots at your nuts? Yeah, yeah look, we can, get, we can do that story another day. It's <laughs> actually, funny. That's your classic Stu story. It's, it is a funny story. So what are you guys locking in? Yeah, the high school captain. Yeah. High school captain. Captain. Yeah, I was definitely not responsible enough to be high school captain. <laughs> I was I was house captain, though, for sport. I love that. Oh, that's great. Okay, last chance, Maddie. Have okay, I'm one? ready. <laughs> Go. Okay, so my absolute favourite food is Mexican. Mm-hmm. I was actually born in Italy, yep. and I was better at basketball than I am at water polo. Okay, do you know the answer to this, Ellie? <laughs> Ellie, do you know the answer to this? Yeah. What, what was number one again? Mexican. Hates Mexican. I reckon that's a lie. No, loves Mexican. Oh, I, I think that's a lie. Okay. I don't, I don't, Luke, I don't think you reckon? like Mexican at all. Okay, Luke? I think uh, C, which is you're better at basketball than you are at water polo. Wow. That's a lie. Nick Kyrgios. Okay, I'm going to go with the Italy. Yeah. Yeah, I was not born in Italy. Yeah, yeah. See? Oh, you look I'm on the side you, of the family's Italian, but. Yeah, you looked a bit Italian from here. I was like, definitely, he's got some Italian blood in there. And the winner is Moxo. I think I've uh, I got. No, nah, I don't know. I got the highest score. <laughs> well, that was good. Well done. And the good thing about that is you learned something about other people that you didn't know before you played it. So something to do. Anyway, it's going really well. You having a good time up there, girls? It's, it's question yeah. of the week's time. Question of the week. We're into the home stretch. Okay, drum roll, please. Stewie, the questions of the week. We've only got four questions this week. I didn't really push it. So first question, Hollywood crush. Who is your all-time Hollywood crush? Maddie. Does it have to be Hollywood or can it just be someone semi-famous? As long as we know who they are. It can be a girlmance too, a bromance. It can be anything. So um, Bollywood? Jack Steele and Rowan Marshall from St Kilda. (laughs) Like, Uh, hands down, in love. Wow. What's St Kilda? Is that a football team? That's a football team. Yeah, right? St Kilda yeah. football club, ASL. Come on. Come on, all you Sydney siders. Yeah, the aerial ping pong. Yeah. Down there in Melbourne. Yeah. It's a beautiful <laughs> part of the world. Yeah, great. Great place. Okay. Very uh, good. Uh, yeah, Matt, uh, Ellie? Um, my Hollywood crush is like Ryan Reynolds or Chris Pratt, those goofy Avenger style. Oh, wow. That are like, like also like fit and hot, you know? Yeah, yeah. Luke? Chris Pratt, he's either one that's uh, Wonder Woman's flame. No, he's Star Lord. Yeah, you used to you used to be married he's to Anna Ferris. Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians oh. of the Galaxy, yeah. You used to be married to Anna Ferris. He's in uh, um, Jurassic mm. Park as well now. Oh, okay, okay, mm. okay. Just Who's he dating now? He used, he used to be chubby and, and fat and funny and then he slimmed down, right? Chris so, Pratt. Yeah, he used to be a bit yeah, chubby, he yeah. He was in Parks and Recreation as yeah. a chubby guy, wasn't yeah. he? yeah. yeah. Understood, understood. Mine's uh, sorry, go on, Luke. No, no, Moxie. 
Uh, mine's an actress uh, from the. She's in Doctor Shivago and some great films. Julie Christie, absolutely beautiful. Wow, look her up. IMDb. There you go. Well, I'll give you. I'll give you uh, a man crush, and I'll give you a um, actress crush. Wow. So actress crush, hundred percent Gal Gadot. Um, wow. Yeah, she's awesome. Unbelievable. Um, she's also she can legitimately Wonder Woman. Or she something? is Wonder Woman. She yeah. can legitimately fight too. So she was in the Israeli military as well. And then my man crush, 100% Matthew McConaughey. All right, yeah. all right, all right. I'm with you. Crush, 100%. I could watch that guy read the phone book and just melt. <laughs> Mate, you've gone too far again. That's, yeah. that's uh, two strikes, two weeks. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Mine's Jessica Alba. She's absolutely stunning. I'm a brunette man, so I'm, I'm all over her. And then my man crush would have to be Ryan Gosling. Jesus Christ, that guy in the notebook. Oh, my God, he's a heartthrob. Oh, he's the notebook again. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go rowing with him with pigeons any day. I think you and I, when you've got the hangover on Sunday, we need to spoon and watch some rom-coms. Mate, you're more than welcome to come over. I'm, I'm feeling pretty sore and sorry for myself, so anything, anyone over there doesn't if matter. If there was anywhere to park, I would. Next question. Next question. Cats or dogs? What do you guys prefer, cats or dogs? You can dogs. lie. That's not a question. That's a terrible question, dogs. Both <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. of you? Yeah. Dog? yeah. Okay. Leaky? Uh, yeah, I'm a dog person as well. However, I have I got a secret admiring of, of cats. Uh, my brother is a Big cat guy. Oh, uh, may I know. <laughs> at Elsa Brabot Vanderwin, Insta famous cat. Okay. It's a very good cat. I, I'm but as a, a general dog. I'm a dog fan. Even too. a cuddly cat, though. Nah, it, she literally looks like a supermodel cat. Yeah. I, he sent me a picture of it. And, you know, so he's the guy that asked the question. Nick Brabot asked the question. And because my nickname's the Stu Lion, I go dogs to him. And he goes, Come on, you're a fucking fraud. You've got to love oh, cats. Yeah. You're a cat. And I said, No way, bro. I'm dogs all day. Fine thing, of course. He's yeah. got, he got yeah. a bit emotional on my DM. <laughs> I so. did not. Yeah, yeah he it's did. It's a very funny thing. He actually walks his cat. <laughs> yeah, I see. Which is quite odd. <laughs> weird shit. That is weird shit. <laughs> he's even got portraits framed with his cat together. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you want to crash tackle that guy? Right <laughs> <laughs> well, he's engaged right yeah, now. better so. tell Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I like both. So years ago, before it was illegal, I actually cut a dog and a cat in half and tried to put the two bits together. No, <laughs> um, if you put a, um, if you put, we, we, we that, had a we had a dog for a is while. That a new, is that a new is that a new documentary? <laughs> is that a new doc- documentary? Don't fuck with cats and dogs or something like. You're a psychopath. Well, Stewie and I, it was actually Stewie's dog, but we both shared her. We had shared custody. Had a dog called Ruby uh, a couple of years ago who ate an apartment, just literally ate the whole apartment. You know how much it cost me? $15,000 in damage. That was just skirting boards. Yeah. Yeah. But she was a beautiful dog, but she's... I, when I tell people what what where she went, she went to live on a farm, and you tell people, and they go, oh, went to live on a farm, eh? All right, the next question is uh, favourite movie. Jesus Christ, we're on the uh, so Hollywood easy. thing at the moment. So easy. Okay, I'll, I'll just kick straight off and it's just it's a no-brainer. It's Shawshank Redemption, which oh, failed at the know. box office because of the name. No one knew what it was, this weird name. Morgan Freeman, and, brilliant. Absolutely, that, yeah. and Timothy Robbins. But it, was, uh, it, it just had one of those, it was one of those slow burns, uh, as was um, the Blues Brothers and there's a few that you know didn't really take off in the cinemas but became cult classics. Mm. For cult classic, for uh, cinema, for whatever way you want to look at it, for me, Shawshank. That's a great movie. I'm going to go Gladiator, number one. Loved it. Love every bit of it. Uh, You're not entertained. Oh, sensational. And then my two notables, uh, I'll go The Prestige, which oh, is a phenomenal Hugh, film. Hugh, Christian Hugh, Bale, Hugh, Hugh Jackman, Jackman. Christian yeah. Bale, yeah. And then the movie. one that always rocks me is The Lion King. Oh, always rocks me. Love I, it. I, that's me, back mate. To Stewie. Yeah, I'm starring in that. At the moment, I'm Simba. So okay, I'm... next. My favorite movie is not because of its cinematic excellence, but it is She's the Man with Amanda Bynes because <laughs> it's so funny and I watch oh, it wow. all the time. And there's too many like inside jokes that we quote all the time. So. I know it's not a great movie, but it's my favourite. That definitely didn't win any Oscars. Yeah, I mind for some Shawshank as well. Really? Yeah, and um, and what Maddie said, she's the man. That's one of my. Favorites. Are you in yeah. for reals? She's the man's number two for you. Is this like a? Oh my god! Okay, there's other great movies that I've seen. There are better that's movies. One that I love but over and over again. yeah, like Ten Things I Hate About You or something like that. Yeah. What about you? You already said it, so it's my go now, is it? My favourite movie of all time is Top Gun. 
you know, I grew up on that. I wish I was a fighter pilot. I thought I was Tom Cruise as a kid. And then I'd have to say um, my second favourite would be probably Shawshank. I think it's a great movie. And I think uh, Morgan Freeman kicks ass in that. So, yeah, they're, they're my two. I don't know what them women were singing, but their voices rang out over the he, quadrangle. He's just got a sexy voice, Morgan, he has. doesn't he? Yeah. Okay, who hasn't uh, stumped up their favourite? We've only we've only got two more questions, and we're done, girls. But it's been a pleasure having you. So the next question is our favourite type of workout. What do you what's your go to? Brabot, you're on oh, me. Me, okay. So I'd probably say my what how I'm currently training at the moment, which is um, not a, very hard at all. Yeah, no, my, my body's pretty <laughs> broken at the moment, but. Uh, this strength through conditioning, which is what BFit offer, I find is is being really beneficial for me. But also, I I'm all about mixing it up. You know, being able to run outside, swim, ocean swim, it's variety. So yeah. to, I don't really have a favorite. I'm not a water animal, so I definitely pick the wrong sport to play. Yeah. But in saying that, I find that I get a lot of physical and mental benefit you, you out of swimming. It, do you find it harder being in the water because you're a heavier type? Of yeah, dude? yeah. Yeah. There's there's actually a test that. Um, the girls would know about where you'll sometimes get simply asked to float and believe it or not, just because you're bigger, well, there are people who are bigger who will actually float better than those who, who are smaller in some yeah. cases. So, yeah, yeah we, we actually have a- Fat four, floats. Is, well, it, we is have, that a buoyancy test? It's just a buoyancy thing and we have a four-time Olympian at the club who's 125, 130 kilos, who just floats like a cruise ship. And then you've got me who sinks (laughs) like a 20-cent piece right to the bottom of the pool. Must be top-heavy. So, yeah. L, what's yours, L? Besides BeFit? Um, Outside of, like, waterfall, obviously we do this every day. And I don't, at this point in time, I don't find joy in just going for a swim. I can honestly say that. Um, But it is the easiest thing to do when we have our own session, like just to jump in and not think and just do laps. However, I really do like pushing myself, and so that's why I really love coming to Saturday morning big fits because it's something totally different out of the realm of what we would do, and I can just smash my body and, feel, and it feels like awesome. A lot of work. Mine's a plug. Oh, what's yours, Maddie? Sweethearts. The Sweethearts Club. Um, I would say in the gym, um, a lot of like explosive speed work, like heavy but fast. Um, recently, which I would have laughed at myself having said this pre-COVID, um, running i have found so much joy in running and like just trying to like ellie said do something different and push myself in a way that's different to what we normally do unfortunately i really hurt my hips so i can't run anymore um i'm not sure if i'm happy or sad about that uh having an excuse not to run is not the worst thing in the world yeah um but yeah like i said anything different because we are a lot of the time when we're working out there's a lot of pressure around that there's a lot of like you know the mental side of selection and all that kind of stuff going on so when we do get to work out without that it's so much more relaxing. So anything that's different is really enjoyable just purely because that side's taken away. I'd like to circle back to both you girls. So obviously your, your workout load's really high at the moment. What do you guys do to recover? Like we, we always talk about recovery on this podcast. Love to know from two uh, Olympians. What do you guys do to recover besides sleeping? Eat a lot. Yeah, eat, drink a lot of water. We do um, hydration tests a lot as well. So making sure we're hydrated, got the hydrolyte, Powerade, whatever you need. Um, we have the like compression leg sleeves. That yeah, yeah. That compression. And leg do you power. find them beneficial? Um, we get massages once a fortnight. And I think the other thing is like switching off your brain. Like there's a lot of times when we have downtime, and instead of hanging out, it's you know that's time for yourself. So there's a lot of just the mental side of recovery and and switching off and the pressures of the team and the environment. It's always you know really high strung. So a lot of our downtime things is reading a book or just watching mindless Netflix or something that you don't have to be engaging with other people, you don't have to be yeah. switched on, um, which you can tell when you've lacked in that area. You can tell when you're trying to do too much. Um, and so always just trying to like every single aspect of recovery, make sure you're hitting every single thing you can. Yeah. Cool. It's funny you mentioned that. I know, Maddie, you actually have a bit of a bit of a hidden talent um, with your – is it resin or what's, what's the – Yeah, resin. It's resin, so – I've seen it on Instagram. Maddie does. I think it's Maddie Handmade, and yeah. so it puts together all these cheese boards and puts these awesome little patterns and stuff on it. And I think, from what I can kind of read between the lines, I think that could be a bit of you time as well, where it allows you to switch yeah. off from training 
So tell us a bit about it's that. Super relaxing. It's just something really different, like being able to switch sides. So I'm studying um, pharmaceutical medicine. So like everything's really like fact-based, sciencey, you know, whatever side of the brain that is. But then being able to flip to something a bit more creative, something that doesn't have, you know, strict ways of doing it. You kind of make it up as you go. It's so nice to have that. And I do it by myself in the garage alone. Like it's just time to relax. And when I'm on tour, I can be thinking about it. It can be something that can just take my mind away from all the stress and that creative way of letting go and not being in control. Like honestly, sometimes the resin does what the resin wants to do. You don't get to be in charge. So it's nice to sort of like give up that control and just like let things flow and let things be creative and not being stressed about the outcome. That's so cool. One is really knowing people that is both smart and creative. Yeah. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You just got to try. Change it again. I like to do um, I like to do three k's on the walker at six degrees, um, and uh, and that's hard for me, right? At yeah. ten kilometers an hour, and then just get onto resistance work. Nothing like big barbells or anything like that. Just you know, just the machines, and just do some you know, just get the the muscles going, and do my lower back and all that sort of stuff. And if I do that every day, I can feel myself. You know, feeling really good, and that, and it's good for mental health as well. You know, to to actually feel like you when you put your belt on to, for it to feel like it. You know, you don't take a you don't need a Mack truck to to do it up. You know, and that's about it. It's that simple for me. For for me, I, we're getting we're giving B Fit a big plug today, aren't we? But I love the training of B Fit because it you know three days a week strength, three days a week hit fitness. But, you know, my go-to, my, my favourite is playing social touch on Wednesdays and Sunday mornings. It's the only time I switch off and I'm in my element and I can, I'm can i just myself. So that's what I prefer to do. And, yeah, cool. Excellent. We've, got, All right. we've only got one last question yep. and this one's a pretty simple one. What's your go-to drink when you're out and why? Alcoholic drink. Oh, it can be any drink, obviously. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what they're referring to, alcoholic drink. Pint of Furfy, eight bucks at the Bayview. Gladesville. Simple. Unpasteurized Carlton Draft, if they have it, which very few do. <laughs> and, then, and then the other one is Carlton Dry. Carlton Dry, that's, a, that's an oldie and a goodie, huh? Yeah. Mine's vodka lime lemonade. I ain't going with no gross sugar. There you go. Are you, doing, are you doing no sugar lemonade or full sugar? So you've got the hangover and the notebook oh, and Uber Eats the next day. Full sugar. Yeah. I am addicted to sweet drinks. Like, you know how people say, like, oh, are you a sweet person? Are you a savory sort of snack? Like, just sweet drinks. Oh, I'm addicted. Yeah, same. So all the sugar, please. Yeah. Um, I am. It depends what I'm doing, obviously, but I love a, a nice glass of red wine. But very, very if romantic. We're like on the spirits, then probably like a gin and tonic or a vodka lime water. Cool, Stu. Uh, I'm a pale ale guy, so any type of pale ale I'm I'm happy with. I I don't mind what I'm drinking Fuck when I'm you. drinking, as long as we can get it down quickly and keep moving. So that's that's me. That was the Lion Theory Podcast, Episode 3, and a big thank you to Ellie Armit and Maddie Steer. Mate, I've got to thank you, guys. You've been, you've been amazing today. It's, I reckon this was our best, best podcast to date. What do you reckon, Lukey? No, it's very, very good. It's really good to have a unique perspective of, of some high-performance athletes as opposed to us sort of amateurs. But yeah. you know, we wish them all the best for Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And just remember, if you're not first, you're last, all right? Yeah, Ricky Bobby, shake and bake, El Diablo. Thanks, girls. Have a great trip to Tokyo in five months' time and we wish you all the luck and bring home bloody gold. And don't take that medal off your neck if you do, ever. (laughs) Thanks for having us, guys. There you guys. Ciao.